Hold on loosely. Compliments to 38 Special right here at the Shoals Rock Station 105.5 The Big Dog. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jones Nelson, hanging out with you on a Friday afternoon. Want to remind you that it is that time of year again to get involved with the Angel Tree. Registration will kick off on October the 20th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. and again 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Salvation Army of the Shoals, 1601 Huntsville Road in Florence. Registration will be in person, so make sure you get out there and get signed up. Really will because hey everybody thanks for uh, popping into this week's podcast music the bed of life i'm your host anthony v simuel we have an amazing gentleman on line for us to listen to today and ask questions mr jones nelson jones nelson is a musician and audio engineer for alien sasquatch studios in muscle shoals alabama He's a disc jockey for WMXZ and WMSR and also KTLF. He sings for Million Whispers, Before the Apple, and an up-and-coming band, 10 Days from Eden. So we're going to meet this young man right now. Jones, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure, believe me. I want to go back just a little ways because you and I met in a very odd uh, circumstance as far as music goes. I was at work, uh, at a certain place we won't mention, but it was a financial institution Mm -hmm. and you wrote a song for your group. Let's, uh, let's take a little listen. Let's go back. What you think you know is thinking there's no game to play So open up the green screen real clean, pristine Just like a dream you're about to win the ringing machine Let's get it started with a batch report Make sure you close out all your windows as a last resort Key in the P-R-S-H-R Okay, now here we are, entering the number, baby Right now Waiting on that new file Waiting on that email Got a bowling, bowling, get this American Idol, the Big Bang Theory, and Score Central. Yes, Check your perspectives before you break this. It's too weak, y'all. It's too weak. The remind you of anything oh my gosh dude i've heard that song forever that is proof positive that i cannot rap (laughs) (laughs) but the thing about that is and that's when i first heard that what drew me to you immediately was your uh writing your lyricism is amazing absolutely amazing 
you <laughs> man i'll tell you i think a lot of that just came from so just a little bit of backstory on that song we were we, were, we had a report that we did every day a 208 208 report i'd forgotten all about it <laughs> and it was just everybody called it the zombie report in, in microsoft excel because it just you you it was a mindless report that you had to work but it had to be done and it was kind of one of those things that was just a few steps away out of being able to be automated and so we just we griped and moaned and griped and moaned about it and so i wrote a song about it uh just because it was like it was driving me crazy <laughs> so, so that i probably i don't remember now but i probably wrote those lyrics like in the midst of like actually working a report because your just mind is wandering doing other things but oh man that was a blast from the past i'd forgotten all about that yeah man, that's hilarious i thought i might pull that out from a from a a little man. bit ago <laughs> you know what's funny it and it, it, it's interesting because i years later like this was like the last year or two um i um i was still working for wall street and i uh i was working a report also uh, just one of the, the the reports and suddenly one day i i logged in and they had added a whole bunch of insurance cases to the report <laughs> like that weren't supposed to be there and i kept asking them to remove the insurance stuff because that had nothing to do with us and they wouldn't, they say, oh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. And like a month had gone by and they hadn't removed the interest stuff. So I wrote a song about it. And I basically wrote a song about having to get my insurance license to go through and to help clear the queue because they would just keep stacking up and they wouldn't go away. And so finally it went, it, just like that song, that song ended up going to like upper management. I don't know. I was like, I'm going to get fired. Here comes <laughs> And uh, the it, it was awesome though because the insurance song went to upper management and like the next day those insurance cases were pulled out. It was amazing. nice. And so my boss sent out an email and said, "Well, I guess you have to write a song if you want to get something done around here." <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty funny because it again it was just it really just kind of stemmed from the fact that it was like oh my gosh you know because I, I mean. Yeah, I worked in Wall Street, I think, aggregately for about 17 years. My degree's in finance, but I, I, you know, I've been doing music concurrently the whole time. And so, you know, I'd, I'd be working on songs in the studio and, and, and working in spreadsheets during the day. And, and so it was just kind of combining those two worlds. But yeah, it's, right. it's nice to have an outlet to be able to do that. Well, it's funny how the, where the inspiration hits. So that's, yeah, that's one of the things that, um, just amazes me and is the point of this podcast here you are a financial person by trade by day but yet the ability to wrap this into such a fine <laughs> finely written song and and plus you're playing the guitar i might uh, mention to our listeners that's you playing playing the guitar it's yep. probably one of those you you just pop that out in about five minutes knowing you <laughs> well i mean it was just one of, i see the thing for me is i've ended up having to learn how to play a lot of things uh, not not necessarily even because i wanted to like i originally started off wanting to just be a guitar player i never really wanted to i never really wanted to be a singer i never really wanted to be a multi-instrumentalist or anything it was just you know i was 13 or four, 14 i guess and, you know, it's like all the all the cool guys play guitar and all the guitarists got chicks. And so I was like, well, you know, I mean, if I want to impress the ladies, you know, it's like I need to learn how to play guitar. So I started playing guitar, but I got into radio when I was 15 years old. And I, I was I started working at uh, doing the six to midnight shift in KBCQ in Roswell, New Mexico. 
And so nobody else is there, you know, at night. And so I bring my guitar with me and then I'd sit in the, the production room and I'd sit there. I'd be recording myself on cassette or reel to reel. And I'd be writing these songs and then nobody else, I would need somebody to sing it. I couldn't find anybody. So then I started singing on there. And it's just at some point along the way, it's like my vocals kind of outpaced and I ended up doing more singing. But I, I just, even over the years too, in, in living in Nashville and everything else, everybody's busy and everybody, if you want to get anything done, it's like, you got to wear a lot of hats. So it's like, you kind of start learning how to do a little bit of everything just so that you can start getting stuff down on paper. So like on that particular thing, I used, you know, drum loops and I played synth bass. And since then it's like, I've actually kind of learned how to play the bass and kind of learned how to play the, the drums. Cause I'm thinking now I probably wrote that song. Gosh, I'm thinking about it. 2013 or 14. I don't remember. It was back in, it was, eight nine or nine ten years ago somewhere in there right uh and so i've i've picked up a few extra tricks since then just out of necessity really more than anything else but gosh man that's hilarious i had <laughs> i forgot all about that i kind of thought you might <laughs> i i did, did i seriously i haven't listened to that song i couldn't even tell you i mean it's been forever i forgot all about it that's that's hilarious so amazing the 208 report the 208 report let's get grouping that was the name. Yes, that's, that's right. Let's get grouping. That's right. <laughs> you, so you, as a finance person, let's, let's go back before you, you said you were at the radio station at 15. So yeah, I'm going to ask this question in, to be relevant towards music being the bed of life. Now there has to be some point that maybe you don't even know about when you started actually recognizing and paying attention to music when would that have been what's well, interesting because see when i was growing up we listened to a lot of country music or my mom did my mom listened to a lot of country music we didn't really get to listen to a lot of rock like she wouldn't let me listen to the rock station i mean as you can it's like i i love rock today but uh, how i got into that's kind of interesting but my dad um my dad listened to all kinds of stuff so we would grow up, my mom was a nurse and, and my, my dad um, worked in TV. And so he, she would work like the three to 11 shifts. So she would get home like after we'd gone to bed. So my dad would, you know, put us, you know, feed us dinner and, you know, put us to bed in the evenings. But one of the things he would do like while he's making dinner and while we were hanging out in the evening is he'd always go put on records. And so he would put on, man, everything. He, he'd love the Manhattan transfers and get some of that kind of yeah. big band swing, you know? He'd put on, he was big into classical music. So we listened to a lot of Beethoven and Bach and Mozart. And then, you know, I'll never forget. Uh, he put on Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. He loved the Moody Blues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll never forget that he put on Iron Man one time. And I heard I heard I, or, um, uh, Black Sabbath. And I heard Iron Man for the first time. It's like my pupils dilated. And I was like, what is this? This is incredible. But I mean, all that stuff. And he had a 63 Nova convertible. And so like on weekend, it was his like life project car. I mean, he needed had it for since he was in his 20s. And he would take us out for drives, you know, on the weekends. And we'd listen to Billy Joel and the Moody Blues or and, uh, Doobie Brothers and things like that. So I had a real wide exposure to music. And it, 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 it I always kind of dug it. But it was like I got to listen to a lot of different things. Right. And so because I got to listen to a lot of different styles, I didn't really get pigeonholed. But I didn't really get into like rock until I probably I really well, I, I started getting to it in high school, but I really started getting into it like towards the end of high school. I 
I was working at a radio that the same radio station group, and um, I got a call because the morning show host got sick, and so uh, they had to take him to the hospital, and I got a call at it's like six forty five in the morning, and they said, hey. Um, can you come in and cover the morning show on the rock station? And I said, yeah, sure. Cause I was doing the mid, the six to midnight show on the, on the top 40 station. And I said, sure. So I came in there and I started doing the morning show. Well, as it turns out, and I'm not trying to air too much dirty laundry the, I, the guy had had a drug overdose. And mm-hmm. so they ended up firing him. And so I ended up just taking over the morning show on the rock station. And so I started listening to all these bands. Like, I'm ashamed to admit it. I was 18 years old before I heard Alice in Chains for the first time. And it just, like, blew my mind. And then I started listening to, like, uh, Papa Roach, because Papa Roach was coming out about that time. And then I started listening to Blue Oyster Cult. And I started listening to uh, more of Ozzy Osbourne. And, like, I mean, I just, I, I start like, my whole rock education came from, like, literally a drug overdose not on my side but Mm. it was just it was really interesting because it just suddenly all this rock was just dropped in my lap and i had to go through and i had to to learn about it because i had to talk about it on the radio Mm -hmm. and then from then from that point on i was just i was just sucked into it like hook line and sinker i just you know i fell in love with rock and roll at that point because it was just like it was i i had i had to make it interesting for other people but it's it's cool now that i've gotten older you know i i really I find myself listening to like all kinds of stuff. You know, I got on a Bob James kick for a few months where I was like, that's all I listened to was just Bob James. Yeah. And then uh, it's like, I got on a Gordon Lightfoot kick and that's all I listened to. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I listen to all kinds of stuff and you know, it, it, it is the, well, I, I forget how do you, how did you word that? The bed of life. The It is, it is the bed of life for me mm-hmm. because it, so it's it's like you know my wife's my wife loves to garden you know and it's it's so awesome i'm terrible at it you know like i'm just i can't help her i'll just kill anything that's out there but (laughs) i love looking out at the garden because there's all these different colors and there's different scents and smells it's such a such a cool thing to be able to like walk out there with her and just really admire what she's been able to do and i think music really offers that opportunity for people because there's something for everybody that's out there and and i think the more exposure that you have to it um, and the different varieties that are out there, it's like kind of the cooler it gets, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I, I, um, I can totally agree with that. And, and, and that's my whole life. I just, I can't imagine life without it. Like I've, oh, I've asked yeah. people, do you listen to music? And they say no. And I, the first thing that pops in my mind is, a, a, you know, the, the dog till. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Exactly. You don't listen to music. How can you not listen to music? And and again, music being the bed of life, they've heard music. They just don't listen to it. They well, and it's interesting too because it's yeah. Well, you know? it, working in radio too, I have a little bit different perspective because like I'm I'm putting in new music as it comes out. And I'm, I'm playing, playing some of the old stuff and trying to blend it together. And then you have people call in and ask, to talk, you know, ask to request songs and things like that. And it's, it's funny to me, it, it's funny to me, like how people are so passive about it. Like a lot of times people are calling in and it's like, they don't even, it, who's, who's that song and what, here's this lyric. And, and a lot of people, it's in the background for a lot of people, but right. they're not really absorbing it. And right. I think today, especially as attention spans get less and less, 
you know, people like bands, more and more bands are putting out singles instead of albums, right. which breaks my heart because I'm an album guy. Yeah. I love being able to get in the car. Like with my favorite, one of my favorite things the world's do is to buy a brand new album, like CD. I mean, I'm a CD guy, you know, but a brand new <laughs> album, pull that cellophane off and then put it in the, put it in the, the disc changer and then like go for a road trip and just discover it. Right. You know, I mean, to me, that's important. And today you don't see as much of that, which, and again, I get it from a necessity standpoint, from an attention span to marketing. I get all that, but it's just a bummer because you kind of lose some context because a lot of times a song is written, but it's, it's, it's like support something else. Mm -hmm. It's like whenever you're able to listen to an album in context, it, it, it paints a much broader picture. Exactly. Like, look at Appetite for Destruction, man. I mean, Guns N' Roses. That album is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, and you could have released all those as singles. But you know what? It's like, I probably never would have given, like, Mr. Brownstone a chance. And that song's so great. Because you, you wouldn't know? get like, to it, right? But I, because I'd never get to it. You know, it's, it'd be, it'd all be, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, you know, like, all a sweet child of mine. At the end of the day, it's like you would only end up paying attention to those things. And a lot of times, two people don't even listen to the whole song. It, the attention yeah, span is yeah. so, so low today. It's like they'll listen to like 30, 45 seconds and they're changed on to the next thing. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. Because again, you don't, I don't know. I'm just getting old, I guess. But, <laughs> but it's, I just, I really appreciate when, especially working with artists too. I think when you sit down and you produce records and you work with musicians independently, you get to see that they're pouring themselves into it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like you want to be able to kind of, try to glean what the artist is trying to feed you yeah and um i think i think a lot of that is missing today i i right there with you right there with you now, i want to i want to do something with you i need to paint a picture uh, a road map of yeah where you were when you were a child to how you ended up in probably one of the best music generating cities in at least in the u.s yeah. How did you get there? Where did you come from and how did you get there? Because I know you came through Arizona with me with that, that grouping song. Dude, it's been it's been a wild ride. I'll, I'll be honest. It's been a real wild ride. But I started in Roswell, obviously, Roswell, New Mexico, you know, went to Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is just where I went to school. And then um, my wife and I got married just to kind of give you the, the high level view. We got married and we just decided we want to get out of the Southwest and the dirt. Cause we'd lived in New Mexico our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And so we, I ended up taking a job in the industry up in, in the finance industry up in Salt Lake city. And so I was up there for four or five years. And then um, I ended up getting offered a finance gig in Arizona and that was a little closer to family. So we ended up down there. And the reason that we ended up out here in the South um, we, I was working in that same company you and I were working at, mm-hmm. and I was singing in a band at the time and we had, you know, we put out some records and, um, the drummer, we'd gone through a couple of drummers, but no. our drummer at that time, ended up, um, leaving for another project. And we just were kind of at the point where we're like, well, what are we going to do? Like we are kind of at a standstill. So we just kind of just decided to just kind of break up the band. Was that band band at that time was Natty Fox. Yeah. 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 And so I was sitting there. My wife was actually, she was working for the same company and we were sitting out there at lunch one day and I was like, man, you know, I, cause my degrees in finance had been doing it a while. I was licensed in the industry and it's like, man, you know, it's like, I'm really at a crossroads right now because, you know, I could just go get a haircut 
and and just you know really dig my heels in and i know that i could you know start climbing the ladder i said but i just know that that's not what i want to do and so she told me she's like well she's like so i know you want to do music so then why don't we do it and i said but there's really not much opportunity i mean there's opportunity in phoenix but it's not a music city not really yeah and so we just started throwing around ideas and we looked at Austin and we looked at Seattle, we looked at, you know, New York and Nashville. And I mean, you know, the big music hubs and um, my brother had lived in Austin for a while and he just griped and moaned about the traffic and said, man, the traffic down there is just awful. You don't want to live in Austin. And I like Texas, but Austin also is super expensive too. This is 2014 when we were looking and, uh, so I had a cousin out in the Nashville area. So I just sent him an email and said, Hey man, I'm just curious, you know, kind of what's, what's the cost of living like, what's the scene like and getting back and forth. And so finally, it, so get this though, this is crazy. So we, I told my wife, I said, all right, well, why don't we just start looking at Nashville? And she said, okay, well let's start looking. Let's see how it goes. So I, I don't know, you know, professionally like finding a job typically takes like weeks or months, you know, to find something. Yeah. And so I told my boss, I just gave my boss a heads up because we, we were really cool. And I just said, Hey man, do we have any work from home positions? And she said, no, we don't have any. I said, okay. And I said, well, this is kind of what I want to do. And she's like, okay, well, it's cool. She's like, I think you should do it. Actually, it's funny because I'd already put out that let's get grouping song. Mm-hmm. And I, I had people, it was it was the weirdest thing because I'd be going to get coffee and people would be walking up to me, hey, you're that guy. <laughs> and I, it was like the weirdest thing to <laughs> to have people come. That I didn't know because this is a big company. I mean, there's like thousands of people there. <laughs> and it's like people I didn't know that would come up to me. But anyway. So she knew music was a big part of my life. And so she's like, yeah, cool. Just keep me posted. Well, I went home that evening after having that conversation with her and found a job on LinkedIn and I just applied to it. I was like, oh, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't even all that serious about it. I was just starting the process. And I ended up going that evening back and forth with the, rec- with the recruiter. And I had a job offer like two days later. Nice. Was that? And I, tur- I turned it down. Well, I turned it down because I was like, well, man, I mean, this is the first thing. It's like. I really like to get a little bit more. I'm, I'm looking for and this, that, and the other. By the next day, they had bumped up the pay and had paid for relocation. Uh, so I ended up moving out to Nashville for free and ended up going. But I mean, it happened within the span of like two or three days. Like mm-hmm. it was like, I it's it was a it was a god thing. Like it's I mean it. So we ended up moving out to Nashville, and it, during that time, you know, I went to. I, I plan on going out there to be like a musician and, and to, you know, start playing in bands and start, you know, like going out on tour. And it just didn't happen that way. Cause I was working for wall street, like the whole time I was there, like, I mean, I was, I was working right downtown Nashville. Um, and, and I was working right across. It was, it was hard too. Cause like they had this thing that they did at the courthouse right across the street and they call it live on the green. Yeah. And they set up a big stage and they bring an artist and it's like, I'm out there in a suit trying to watch this. I'm like, man, this sucks. You know, uh, well, like I'd rather be on the stage than you know, yeah, and not so. letting them get to it. <laughs> but the thing is Nashville is an awesome town because there's musicians everywhere. There's audio engineers everywhere, studios. It's a cool music town. The thing with Nashville, though, is that the professional me, everybody goes there to, to, to do exactly what I did. And so everybody's heads on a swivel, you know, because mm-hmm. they're, they're always looking for the next greatest gig. Now, I got offers constantly as a singer to go through and to be in like cover bands and tribute bands and things like that. But I'm an original guy. So it's like I was always looking for an original project. 
And I mean, we're talking, it was so hard trying to put something like that together. And so finally, you know, you'd start looking at studio work and it's so expensive out there, man. Cause I mean, the, the people, a lot of the guys out there are like multi Grammy winning engineers. It's so weird. Cause you'll go through and buy, like I'd go through and buy instruments or things from people on Craigslist and you'd walk in, you'd be standing in their doorway while they go in there to get it. And they've just got a Grammy sitting on their, on their mantle. And I'm, I'm not joking. Like that's how it is. Like, People right. that you don't even know, they're just have and were involved in something. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. I bought some rack rails actually from my recording desk from a guy, and that was exactly the scenario. He's like, Yeah, they're down in the basement, I'll be right back. And he's just got a Grammy sitting up on his <laughs> his uh his thing. But so I ended up going back to audio engineering school while I was there because I was like, Well, I'm gonna be recording myself and, and uh I need to save myself some money because I mean I thousands and thousands of dollars it costs to go through and record this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I went back and I got a degree in audio engineering while I was there. And I studied under some amazing uh, musicians and audio engineers, multiple Grammy winning engineers I worked under. And um, it, it was cool um, because, you know, during that time, you know, you just get to get plugged in and meet people and other things. And so I ended up meeting this audio engineer um, from Muscle Shoals because he had come up to he had come up to Nashville to, uh, to, for like a big audio recording event. And we just ended up becoming friends. We're about the same age, and we're kind of in the same level, kind of coming up. And and uh, we just kind of kept emailing, and we'd run into each other again at different events because he came up to Nashville all the time. And uh, he told me, he's like, dude, you should come out and check out the Shoals. And I'd never even heard of Muscle Shoals. <laughs> well, as it turns out, Muscle Shoals is like huge, huge, like recording history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aretha Franklin was recorded down here. Uh, Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves a Woman, that was mm-hmm. tracked down here. Brown Sugar, Rolling Stones is tracked down here. Shares recorded down here. Um, they just did a tribute record. Uh, so Steven Tyler was down here. YouTube Bono. like they, There's a documentary about it. It came out in uh, 2013. It's about to hit uh, 10 years old about fame recording studios, but there's tons of recording studios down here. Mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, um, when COVID happened and we we're all working from home, um, I, I just, I ended up talking to my boss and was like, dude, you know, the, the Nashville real estate scene is crazy. You know, it's getting really busy because people were coming to Nashville in droves. They relocated actually from a financial standpoint, they relocated a lot of different financial companies to Nashville, like some big ones. And so they moved a lot of people to Nashville, um, over like the last six to eight years. And so the traffic and the scene, it just got nuts. And so I was talking to my buddy down here one time and we just, I said, well, we'll maybe we'll just check it out. And we started looking at the cost of living was way cheaper. It was, it was way, a lot slower pace of life. I'm from a small town in New Mexico. And so my wife is too. So it was like cooler for raising our kids. And so we made the move down here and we love it. I mean, it's, it's neat because there, (laughs) You end up running into these like multi Grammy winning people. They're just like walking down the street. You see them in the diner. Like Spooner Oldham, he plays piano on all kinds of different um, like huge projects. Liberace tried to give him a piano, and he's like, oh, "I appreciate it, man, but I just don't have room for it." Like, and it's like you'll just see him eating at a diner. Mark Nairmore, who wrote, um, uh, let's see, what Neon Moon, and he wrote. Um, Gosh, he's he's wrote written so many number ones. I can't even think of them right now. Um, but he lives just around the corner from me. Um, 
there's uh billy lawson my buddy works in his studio billy lawson has got like tons and tons of his songwriters and he's, he's got tons of number ones they're all over the place down here right like these guys and they're so hot it's a different vibe altogether because it's real country backwoods and so they're super laid back everybody's very humble really really willing to talk to you my wife uh plays the bass and uh she just started kind of taking pseudo lessons from uh bob ray w-r-a-y you gotta look him up his all music is just absolutely like pages and pages long dude dude's toured with willie nelson he's played on all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. but the point is is like he just everybody's laid back down here everybody's yeah. super cool and and that that i think really in a lot of ways takes off a lot of pressure in terms of making music because in nashville everything is very regimented very label driven very like downbeat at 10 o'clock mm -hmm. and it's awesome. They get some really cool things done. Like being in a Nashville session, watching Nashville musicians is magic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never seen like the first time I ever got to see a group of session guys that had never, that had never seen or heard a song before. They come back and they listen to it one time, they tab it out and they go in there and they just play it. And they, none of these guys have played this song ever together. And it just comes out and it's just like, that's pretty good. Let's try it again. And they just, I mean, it's magic. Yeah. It's just magic. Yeah. And they do that down here, but it's way more laid back. Like it's a completely different vibe down here. And, um, and I think that's kind of why I like it. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of laid back, back guy. Yeah. So, I mean, and so I fit in really well down here too. So we, we like that as well. Well, I, I know that, uh, I've got some friends that are down in Nashville as well. And, I'm going to be asking them about Muscle Shoals because I'm going to get them on this show as well. But yeah. um, what do you consider yourself to be then? Are you a producer? Are you a musician? I know you're not a finance guy. <laughs> I got out of that, thankfully, last year. I finally, finally took the leap of faith. Um, you know, man, I wear all of those caps at some point. You know, it's like I'm sitting in my studio now. Um, I built this studio with my own two hands. Again, I, oh, my I, degree I is in Wall Street. And so I don't have any construction background. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos. And I, I like all these recording panels and stuff like that. Like I built them all. I never touched drywall before. Hmm. Um, you know, but I, I just, I wanted it. So it's like, uh, you know, I think probably at the end of the day, I've thought about it a lot actually just recently. I think I really consider myself more of an artist than I, than I do a producer or engineer or, you know, whatever I can do all those things. And I do all of those things, um, in different capacities, but my, my true love is like sitting down and just writing. I just, I love to write music. I'd rather have somebody mix it for me. I can mix it. I can do it myself, but it's like, I'd rather just write the songs, create, and then go play it. Like, that's what I love to do. Yeah. Uh, and I, and it shows in your work. Um, I'm, I'm going to drop you another, uh, past blast from the oh. past. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> This evening with his big ears on the skies Had a long 
long, hard day at the office. A million things are on my mind. Well, my body inside the yeah. windshield, soft video, red and blue. Was a Southwest Airlines plane, quickly gaining altitude. I found myself getting jealous, wishing I was there. Cause I'm sick of the grind, wanna leave it behind I wanna fly me somewhere, fly me away to a destination Anyone that's fine I don't need no fancy suitcase I just need to clear my mind Fly me away to another zip code I just need a change of pace Cause this ride is doggone tired just running in this race Sometimes a man just needs to drink a beer While flying through the air At 30,000 feet, ain't got no trouble Wanna fly me somewhere Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny, so... I, I, you know, I listened to country growing up, but I didn't listen to a lot of country, you know, after that I was like very staunch rock, you know, that's like all they would do. Mm-hmm. So I, I work for country station right now. I do the afternoons on 94, nine, the bull, you know, so I do country every day, but, um, I literally was driving home. I, I had to stay late at the office. It was the same place we worked. Mm-hmm. I had to stay late at the office in in Tempe and I was driving home one day and traffic was running slow and I'm watching the planes, <laughs> the Southwest airlines planes flying over top. And I just started, I, I was like, man, I need to fly me somewhere. Or it's like, I got to fly. I forget how it all came up, but I lived down in Maricopa, Arizona, which was mm. probably, I don't know, maybe half an hour or so yep. um, South of where I worked. And so I had half an hour drive, half hour, 45 minute drive to get home. And I ended up writing that entire song lyrically just on the drive home. Like mm-hmm. I wrote it all out and just was singing it over and over. And as soon as I walked through the door, my wife was like trying to talk. I was like, don't talk to me. I have to write this down. <laughs> so I had to go through and I, I wrote that entire song like lyrically, like on the way home. Um, but it was just me daydreaming about wanting to get out because i just it was it had been such a long day i just probably like 10 12 hour day just doing that stupid 208 report i'm sure <laughs> and um and so i uh yeah man that's wild i have not i and you know what's funny is they got into a real country kick there for a second and that was like one of them and i ended up doing a couple other country tracks uh, shortly, shortly after that right before we moved to nashville it was so i mean because it was probably like three or four months after that, that we actually ended up moving to Nashville. Yeah. And oh, I, you helped me out with that yeah. song. As a matter of fact, you told you, you, you cornered me at the office and said, we're making a music video. I was like, I've never done a music video. And you're like, we're going to do a music video. So we actually made a music. That was my first ever music video, man. That was very cool. Thank you again for doing that. That was incredible. Uh, you did a great job on it. Well, thank you. You, you, you work with when you have what you've got to work with in, in yourself, it's pretty easy to do. You gave me all the visuals I needed. <laughs> I was, it was fun. It was because it, it was my first foyer. Cause I'm just, you know, I, they always say you have a face for radio. Cause I started, I've been doing it my whole life. And it was kind of one of those things. It's like, it's weird being like filmed, you know? <laughs> um, but it was, it was a cool process to get to, to get to like, see something that, the vi- a visual to the audio because it's like i've been recording songs for a long time and 
and uh, so it was neat to have something tangible with it. So yeah, no, that was very cool. I love the shots that you got of the uh, the planes taking off. That was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's nice when you live right by the airport, <laughs> and you're talking yeah, I mean, about flying away. I, I got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's out on YouTube. Oh man, flying. No, that was cool. That is very nice. Um, is there anything you want to talk about as in uh, promotion? Do you have places you're going to be playing? Any of these, what, four bands you're in now? Man, so I sing, I sing in a lot of stuff. So right now I'm doing a lot in the way of um, – right now I'm doing a lot of studio work. So – uh, the Million Whispers and Before the Apple are both uh, projects that I've done a lot of work in my studio on. Million Whispers I've done predominantly at my studio. Before the Apple um, is is a project. I actually worked with a Grammy award-winning, multi-Grammy award-winning, multi-dub award-winning producer. I actually just got to be the artist. Well, no, that's not true. I, I was did some production on that too, but... Um, I got to pre- predominantly be the artist and work with Travis Wyrick um, out at uh, Lakeside Studios in Knoxville, Tennessee. The, it, he he produced, let's see, P.O.D. He produced uh, 10 Years, uh, Disciple. See, I'm trying to think who else. The Letter Black. So a lot of big, a lot of big bands there. He he won. Um, he's got a bunch of number ones and stuff too. I know it's name droppy, but he's just a, he's a he's an amazing guy. Like really really talented guy and. and and I say that to say this, I never, I'd always produced myself. I'd never really had anybody produce me before. Right. And so I, I, I created that band to really just to kind of go through, cause it's all just me. Like I don't have a band necessarily. And so I, I did that to go through and to, you know, really kind of build the band around it. And I, I've just been so busy with studio projects that, you know, I have, like I just have been releasing stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I'm working in the process of going up to Knoxville. So to kind of paint the picture for this, I ended up running into at the hotel because like, I just went up to record with Travis the before the Apple stuff. I ended up running into this guy in the hotel. I'm walking in with my bags and my two guitar cases. And this guy comes walking in the lobby and he's like, Hey man, what you got there? Like what's in the case? And so I was talking about my guitars and he's like, well, I'm this producer out of, uh, that I'm, uh, from Illinois, but I moved, uh, we're like down here looking at houses, potentially looking to move to Knoxville. And I was like, oh, it's cool, man. And so we swapped email addresses, thought, oh, we'll email him, whatever. Well, the next morning I come down to get some breakfast. He's down in the lobby. I see him again. And then the next day I'm coming back late from the studio and he and his wife are coming back and we run into the lobby again. <laughs> I ended up running into, running into this guy like four or five times, just over and over and over. And so finally, it's like, man, this is crazy. I guess we were supposed to run into each other. We were supposed to meet. So we just kind of kept up with each other over the last couple of years. And probably about, I don't know, four months ago or so, um, we just we we started emailing. And he, he emailed me and said, hey, man, do you have any interest in, like, collaborating on a project? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. So he was band director. for His name is Michael Beyer. And uh, he's band director for 35 years. He's got a master's degree in composition. Like, dude's mm. like musical genius. Like, he's just, you know, he he's constantly like, well, that's the augmented seventh. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> that stuff. So, I mean, I'll take your word for it there, buddy. But anyway, so he he 
ended up buying a house that he and his wife bought a house in Knoxville and he built a studio uh, in his basement. And oh my gosh, dude, it's an incredible studio. Mm -hmm. like, not, not a hobby room, like a, like a incredible Real, studio. Yeah. And um, I went up there um, about a month ago and tracked vocals and I've been tracking guitars here. And then the drummer for the project is out of uh, Illinois. And so the plan is um, we got, we got the first mix done on one of the tracks. And then um, the plan is that after this is all said and done, we're going to end up going out and trying to do some touring with it. And th that project is called 10 days from Eden. Uh -huh. So the, the goal with that is in like the next probably couple of months, um, we're going to go through and get some, get some things out. And then we're going to start kind of trying to get out in front of people and doing some touring and so forth. And it's probably in this, this area, probably like, nashville kentucky illinois alabama probably that circle and then widen things out but that's kind of the plan mm -hmm. um and so we'll we'll be promoting and setting up social media and other things like that as we get you know closer and closer to that point but right now we're in the writing and production stage as a matter of fact i have a production meeting with them later this afternoon where we're going to be doing some additional writing and other things but really excited about that project it's it's kind of a concept album that we're working on it's a little different for me mm -hmm. i don't even know how to quite categorize it because it's almost like a jazz fusion rock thing mm -hmm. you know because mike mike used to play in a band that was like blues jazz kind of a thing and and it's like they got to open for bb king one time i forget what the name of the band was but they actually got to open for him and um brian the drum brian uh the drummer he, he I, that dude can play anything he's like really into proggy stuff like really progressive stuff and i'm a rock guy metalhead you know whatever and so I, we, all of that stuff kind of comes together. I, I end up heavying things up. Mike ends up making things, you know, like kind of jazzy. And then Brian comes in and brings things and, and makes things kind of progressive. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that it's kind of like floating out there in this, in terms of like categorization wise. Um, and I thought it was going to be a little too weird at first, but because Mike has told me, he's like, dude, he's like, you write so commercially talking to me. He's like that you end up pulling things into kind of this more commercial realm. He's like, but I kind of keep it on the fringe, which I, I like. I like that because it's it's I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be commercial enough that we're going to be able to do right. terrestrial radio and other things like that with it. But I think it's also going to kind of stretch people. It's kind of like um, I kind of think of it like in terms of like Dave Matthews band. I mean, we're heavier than that, but if you think about the Dave Matthews band, it's like kind of was on the fringe of like top 40 hot AC when it came out. You know what I mean? Right. It was like yeah. in this weird spot between like Americana and like rock and blue. And like it was in this now. weird spot. And, and that's kind of how this feels too, which is interesting because I've never really done anything like that before. Um, so I'm really excited about it because like I'll send my stuff out and then the, I'll get the other parts back and Mike will come back and it's like, Whoa, dude, I didn't even see that coming. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, I mean, it's neat because he's mixing all this stuff. He truly is a mix engineer. That guy. Oh, good. Like he's, yeah. he's a really good producer and mix engineer. And he's just, uh, he's, he loves it. Like he, mm -hmm. he like wakes up in the morning, like, Ooh, what preamp am I going to use today? And I'm just, I mean, I, I like that stuff, but he loves that stuff. Right. So, I mean, it's really cool getting to work with people like that. Yeah. Well, you put yourself in the environment, it seems like. And and that's a wonderful thing. When you said you were moving to Nashville, I just knew that was it because I just from the it got, it got a hold I of heard. Yeah, 
I knew that was it. In, in a good way, though. I, I love it, man. Oh, and, yeah. And honestly, I still love Nashville a lot. I try to get up there quite a bit. I've got buddies that are up there, and you know, mm-hmm. I've got several studio buddies that are up there that um, I talk to literally almost daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I try to get up there whenever I can because um, there, there's just always something going on. Kip Winger is going to be playing over at the uh, uh, at the Ryman. I forget when it's going to be coming up here pretty soon. May or June, I forget. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be going to check out Winger at the Ryman. So that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I just, I want to do something for my listeners here. I want to describe yeah. what you look like because you mentioned Uh-oh. cutting your hair. So yeah. I'm looking at uh, Jones right now and his hair is probably down to his what? I, it's actually shorter than it used to be. It's down past my shoulders for sure. Down past his shoulders. He's got the full beard and the mustache. Now, we were talking about you working in the finance. I yeah. remember when you cut your hair, and I think I walked past you and didn't even recognize you. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is like I, I used to, because I used to be like working with clients face to face. And so for the longest time, I had to wear a suit and tie every day. And yeah. I had really, really short hair and was clean cut. Yeah, And I just remember, cause you know, all throughout college is when I started growing my hair out and, um, I just, it started cause it felt right. Cause I always used to say, it's like, man, I was born 30 years too late. It's like, I should have been in the seventies, man. You know, like it's just where I feel like I belong. But, um, but I just remember suit, you know, cinching the tie up every day and <laughs> looking at myself in the mirror going, what are you doing with your life, man? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, and so when I, I got out of that face-to-face thing, um, probably in 2012, and I kind of started growing it back out again, and it's just, it's been long ever since, but, um, but yeah, man, it's, it was, it was weird just as an anecdote here, because <laughs> I, you know, it's like, I never really looked like I, once I got into, especially the kind of the back office side of finance, you know, you're walking around, people are suit and ties every day. And, mm-hmm. and of course I look like this mm-hmm. and, um, they're, they, <laughs> they're always like, yeah, uh, no public restroom, sir. You know, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. I work, I work over in accounting. Yeah, I work here. Look, badge. Look. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. I, so one of the companies I worked for that it was headquartered in St. Louis, and I, I had to go into the home office uh, one day for for week for training, and so I went up there, and I'm you know long hair. My hair was actually longer. My beard was longer than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I walked in there and, and I was in a suit, you know, and the, there's some general partners there and they're walking around and they're eyeballing me kind of funny. And they said, um, have you, uh, have you checked in with security? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. They gave me this badge. I'm supposed to be here. So. <laughs> uh, it's a different environment. I used to always joke that it's like I had one foot. And the Chuck Taylors and the other foot in the Chinos, you know, because I've been doing doing both music and finance concurrently. And yeah, I just finally last year I got it was I don't know, early tax season last year. I just was going through yet another tax season and I was just like pulling my hair out. And my wife was like, dude, why are you doing this yourself? She's like, you should just like quit and just do this full time. I was like, I can't do that. She's like, why not? I was like, well, you know, I like to, you know, pay the mortgage and eat and all that sort of thing. And she's like, we'll be all right. She's like, look. She's like, you've been doing this for a long time. You have a degree in music. You can always get back into this if you need to. But she's like, you just, you only go around this, this, you know, you go around one time. You say, you, you know, you might as well make the most of it and do what you love. Because otherwise, it's like, what are you going to do at the end of the day? 
Right. I was like, all right. So I, I ended up turning in my two week notice and my boss ended up keeping me on for about two and a half months after that, you know? So I ended up, <laughs> my two week notice was two and a half months, but it was funny because during that time I built my studio. Mm. I literally, I just decided that if I was going to go through and have need to have a place to work, because this, this room that I'm in, um, so I'd worked in Nashville for, you know, and, and ran through a bunch of different studios. I just kind of had an idea in my head what I wanted. And I just started watching YouTube videos and just thought, because I got some quotes on it, on having somebody come in and do it. And I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. this is, there's no way, man. Yeah. So I ended up doing it for the same price, but I, it's like, I put way, way, way more into it, you know, and, and in terms of like, I got way more out of it. Yeah, of more which you wanted, yeah. But it's good because, you know, now it's like I was producing a, a guy in here a couple of days ago, and then um, I'm producing – um, I had a, I have another artist in Muscle Shoals. He's a singer. He's never put out any um, – um, any, he's never put anything out before, but he's a songwriter. Hmm. He's actually a football coach. It's so funny because – He's got this like amazing voice, but he's a football coach for one of the high schools here. Right. So it's like you see him on the sidelines all through football season. Hey, hey. And then he gets in here and he's just got this beautiful voice. And it's just, it's such a funny thing. But uh, it's it's neat because now it's like I really get to work with that, work with artists like that, which, you know, uh, has always been a dream. And it's like I had to take, it's like Indiana Jones, man. It's like I had to take that leap of faith and step out and, and the first few months were a little freaky. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was it was a little nerve wracking because you get so used to the structure and punching in and punching out and the eight to five and everything like that and, and switching to doing something like this. It was a big leap of faith. And I eventually ended up having to kind of get something a little bit more static, i.e. the radio station. But um, that's turned out to be a real blessing, too, because I've met some amazing musicians and artists and other things oh, yeah. like that, that that I never would have had the chance to meet as well. So it's been it's been a really cool it's been a cool gig. I guess my biggest thing there that I would say to anyone in that type of situation is, you know, if you really truly want it bad enough, it's, it's hard. It absolutely is hard. I'm not trying to say that this is one of those things that you should just blindly just jump into. I mean, you got to run some numbers and you got to do it correctly. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, I, I think that if you truly want something at the end of the day, the biggest thing, the biggest hindrance against that is yourself. I mean, my buddy constantly tells me, he's like, you know, growth never happens inside a comfort zone. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I feel like I've been, I'm, I, once I jumped last year, I feel like God kicked me outside of my comfort zone and bolted the door behind me. (laughs) Cause I just, dude, I feel like I've been living outside it like ever since, but you know what though, man, my stress levels come down, you know, cause you're not part of like, you know, the bulls and the bears and you're outside of that wrestling ring and it it makes it, you get to focus a little bit more on, you know, stuff that you're into and, and man, you know, well, who knows what the next five years will bring, but it's pretty neat. Like the opportunities that I've had, I've been able to kind of be a part. It's at, um, it didn't happen by accident. You have to like go after it. Right. I mean, it, yeah. I'm really, really blessed and grateful to, to be where I'm at. You didn't accidentally end up in Muscle Shoals or Nashville. So that's, I don't sure. think so, man. But dude, I'm decision. telling you, we're down here for a reason. I yeah. do believe that. You made a decision and you moved and that's yeah. how stuff happens. It's just like this. I mean, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do this podcast. I'm scared to death, but I'm going to do it. Dude, I'm I'm so stoked for you. Like I've wanted to do a podcast. I can't tell you how long. And I I, I keep telling myself I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. you know, because 
again, I've been a, a DJ. I, I was uh, aggregately, I've been on the radio for over 10 years. You know, so I, I didn't know that. Here. Yeah, I, I started when I was 15. So I was <laughs> uh, airing some dirty laundry, so to speak. Not really, but when I was 15, so the, I replaced a guy. So how it happened, I was sitting there listening to radio one night doing my homework in high school. Mm-hmm. And I heard the I heard the announcer say, well, hey, you know, our evening guy is going to be graduating here pretty soon. So if anybody's interested in, in applying for the radio, just bring by, you know, come by and fill out an application. I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> and so I went by there and filled out an application. Well, as it turns out, I didn't realize this, but I knew the evening guy like I knew him uh- like we. And so I knew him from high school. He was a senior and I was a freshman. So I, it's like I knew him. And so I ended up talking to him and, and he put in a good word for me, I guess. The, my, my, the, the, the uh, uh, program director, my boss, he told me, he sat me down when he hired me. He was very s- serious. He was like, look, I didn't hire you for your voice. There are candidates with a lot better voice than you. He said, I hired you because I have short hair and very clean cut. He's like, I hired you because you look like a Boy Scout. And we've got millions of dollars worth of equipment here. And uh, I can I can make a DJ out of everybody. He said, but I can't make an honest person out of everybody. And you come, your reputation precedes you and you look like I can trust you. Mm. So I was like, thanks, I guess. You know, because <laughs> so he made a DJ out of me. And, and so I ended up going through and, and I basically just kind of picked it up as I went. And mm. I worked for a lot of different stations all throughout high school and college. I think I was just totaling it up the other day. I've worked now for aggregately. I've worked for 24 different radio stations. Wow. Yeah, since 98. And um, I took a break, obviously, in the me- middle, you know, to go play play the Bulls and the Bears. But um, <laughs> I ended up getting back into it in October. So I worked for a station out of Colorado Springs. And I, um, I you know, tracked that remotely from here in Muscle Shoals. And then I, I have a live morning show um, Monday through Friday here in Muscle Shoals. And then um, an afternoon show um, Monday through Friday as well. So I like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's hey, definitely. Give me those stations. Give me the stations. So the list. Oh, yeah. So good. it's WMXV. That's uh, my 1015. That's it's a top, top 40 hot AC station. I do the morning show there. Uh, and then uh, WMSR. That's uh, the bull. That's our country station here. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in Colorado Springs, it's a, it's actually it's a Christian station out there, and that's KTLF. And so I'm a I'm an announcer over there as well. What's so it's it's been cool. KTLF. It's been neat to get it, be a part of that. Yeah. What are the numbers? It's, it's weird because I'm on both sides of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you have the W and the K. A lot of people don't know that, but if you're west yeah, of the Mississippi, it's a K. If you're east, it's a W. Yeah. What's the numbers for WMSR, the frequency and the frequency? For oh, it's 94.9. All of it? Yeah, yeah, 94.9, and it's a country station. And then WMSR is 90, uh, 105. Uh, uh, so one, uh, uh, 1015 is 101.5, and that is uh, WMXV. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll get those in the description, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. And it's, it's neat too, because, um, we work just as kind of an interesting plug. So W L A Y is part of our, our radio station family. So we have multiple, we have six radio stations, a part of our group, the uh-huh. Singing river media group uh-huh. and W L A Y, uh, they have an AM and an FM component. 
Uh, so Rick Hall of Fames Recording Studios, which is part of one of the big famous recording studios here in town, um, recorded like tons of, you know, real big artists there. Um, he used to, after he'd finish up his mixes at one or two in the morning, would go through and bring his mix to the radio station, to WLAY, which was just around the corner, which is where the building is now, um, and would bring his recording on reel-to-reel or whatever to the DJ that was on it, you know, one or two in the morning. And he would, because in, in the audio world, the, one of the big things after you've mixed something is you've got to go listen to it in the car. Yeah. See what it sounds like. They call it the car test. Yeah. It's like, well, how does it sound in the car? Yeah. Well, so Rick had the ultimate car test because you also see anytime you go through, this is get geeky for a second, but anytime you record something, it, it's got to sound good in the car, but also once it goes through radio, it goes through an added layer of compression. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it changes the sound also. Mm-hmm. So this is how cool Rick Hall was. He would take that down to the radio station. He would have the DJ play it for him uh-huh. and he would go sit in the car. So not only would he get the car test, but he would get the legit radio test yeah, too. Yeah, the like test. just demo tracks that he's working on. It's just like, like <laughs> the complete like baller thing. I, I, it's amazing to me. Like that's just such a geeky thing. Like that's just awesome, just absolutely awesome. And so I work for that radio station group. I mean, nice. it's so neat because yeah. you know, and they, as a matter of fact, just this last week. Um, the owner of the radio station, his dad owned the radio station. They had a sa- a, a, a sign that was up like back in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. And it had been, you know, the station had moved and all these other things. Well, now they're back in the old building. They have this old iron sign. It's not aluminum, it's iron. It's real heavy. Um, and he had just had it in storage. They just pulled that out of storage and had it reinstalled this last week. So they've had the road blocked off, and it's all cool. So they've got it now on the front of the building. Ah. Uh, so it's really neat. So it's it's the original sign. And so they're going to have a lighting ceremony next Friday, I think, um, to kind of in conjunction with the 100 Years Muscle Shoals ceremony since that radio station uh-huh. is really embedded in the pro- in like the history of the Shoals. So I'd that's just kind of a cool part about it just because it's like, man, this is a legendary radio station. Cause like, seriously, some of your favorite artists have probably got sound checked and mixed decisions were made because of that radio station. Right. Aretha Franklin, maybe. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly <laughs> what artists, but I mean, he's going down there cause they're huge artists that he worked with and that came out of fame recording studios, which is just probably like, I don't know, a mile or so from the radio station. So it's really cool. Yeah, sounds like you're in the mix, so to speak. It's, it's a fun town, man. I mean, it's like really unassuming, but it's, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really cool town. All kinds of stuff happening all the time. Well, give me this uh, yeah. for a parting thought. What does music, the bed of life, mean to you? I think for me, it the it, it's a foundation it's a time machine because it, it gives you the opportunity to be able to see yourself at various points throughout your life. It's like the best scrapbook you could ever ask for, mm-hmm. you know, and being a musician in particular, I like that because I get to go back and hear re- recordings and things that I did. And um, Natty Fox, you brought that up for an example. They're going back and remixing a lot of tunes. Mm-hmm. I sang vocals on those and play guitar on those years ago, you know, 10 years ago. And they're going back and remixing. And, you know, I'm a better guitar player than I was then. I'm a better singer now than I was then because I've really worked on it. 
Now I could go back and recut those things, but it's going to change. It changes the whole song. It's like, that's who I was at that point. Right. You know, that's the, the level I was at at that point. And so I think that that's such a cool thing because you get this, it's kind of like music is like brush strokes. It's like a painter's brush stroke, you know? you get to see the whole picture when you zoom out. But if you really zoom in there, there's a texture to it as it moves along. Mm -hmm. Look at the history of our music. Look at Sonics, like Sonics and the music and so forth. So I think it really does create this foundation for who we are mm -hmm. as, as a people, as a society. Because, you know, when I listen to music, like from, you know, 2000, I'm dating myself now, <laughs> but like I'm right back in college all over again. Right. Like I'm right back there. It's the time machine. And it, and it, and it creates that, that opportunity to be able to, you know, kind of escape, you know, today and, and kind of go back to that point. So I think that's the big thing for me is mu music, the bed of life. It's really a time machine and it, uh, it, it allows you to kind of relive some things. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, Jones, man, appreciate you today having you out here. This is some, some great talk. I really Dude, I I appreciate you. And I, 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 I'm tickled pink, man, that, that you're doing this. This is great. I'm real proud of you too. Cause like, man, it's not doing live recordings like this and, and organizing things and just being consistent with it is not yeah. easy because plates are full. It takes a lot of time and effort and everything. And a lot. So I just want to point something out for your listeners too. There is a lot, a lot of work that goes into producing something like this and putting something like this together. And so uh, I just, I want you to know how much I appreciate you doing it. And, and thank you again for, for having me. I'm very honored to be a part of this. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Jones. Thank you. And we will see what the next episode brings for us today. That was Jones Nelson. Appreciate his time and efforts, and we'll have a few more producers and such and all kinds of professionals that have to do with the music world. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For more information about this show and past episodes, go to www.musicthebedoflife.com. Please like, share, and subscribe to stay informed of new episodes. Join your host, Anthony V. Simiel, on the next quest to discover how music plays such an important part of our lives and the many individuals responsible for making it happen.